We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or a grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Halpin. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Friday, November 10th edition of the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. Um, with me today is Derek Van Riper, like every Friday. Um, Derek Richard Sherman. That's that was disappointing to see. That added that was fuel to the fire of the anti-Thursday football. Yeah, absolutely. And they they hate the Thursday game, they being Seattle. Uh, as much as any team out right. there, because they're they're at least public in telling us how much they don't like it. I understand why players hate that game. Uh, I don't really see why teams can't just get a second bye week sprinkled in. If you think about it, there'd be more football weeks over the course of the year. That's good for fantasy. It's good for the league for advertising revenue. It's good for Vegas. It's good for everybody involved to have one extra week and to give the players that rest. And that way, if you play on a Thursday night, you get rest the week before that. I mean, they could get rid of the Thursday games entirely, and that'd make you very happy, too, from a uh, pure just annoyance standpoint. Yes. Having the extra game where you got to make those calls stinks. But I'm, I'm realistic. I know they're not going to do that. Like, they, they want to make money. They have a standalone game that people will tune into. So that's great. So you got this thing. Make it safe for the players. That's, that's all you need to do. You don't need to create situations where the quality of play goes down and the rate of injury goes up. 
because guys are playing with three days off between games. Right. Um, you think we're going to have higher scoring games from the Seahawks moving forward since their defense is obviously weaker? Yeah, I mean, I think you'll see a slight uptick. And the, the only lingering concern you have to have is just their offensive line. How much will it gel? But overall, I mean, this is a team that I, I liked offensively to begin with. Take away Sherman, teams will throw on them a little more effectively. Still a, a very good defense and a very good secondary, but I think you're going to have uh, you know, a third corner, a guy that was playing nickel, probably sliding over to play Sherman's spot. And whether it's that guy directly gets exposed or the next man up, someone is going to have a mismatch and teams are going to take advantage of that as soon as they can. Yep. All right, everybody, before we move forward with the rest of the Week 10 stuff, just remember, check us out on Twitter. Derek's at Derek Van Riper. I'm at jhopkin 37 You can also reach us at Rotowire and get our news feed at Rotowire NFL. And remember, you can find us on Facebook where we're going to have a Q&A at noon with our buddy Tim Heaney on Sunday, noon Eastern. Um, so buys, Ravens, Chiefs, Raiders, Eagles. Um, the Zeke Elliott, we haven't talked since. It, when I recorded with Tim on Thursday morning, we were waiting on Zeke's hearing. Zeke's hearing happened. Zeke suspended. Zeke um, almost certainly out for those six weeks. It, so unfortunately now, a cup in the beginning of the year, it was, well, you're going to lose him six weeks, but then you'll have him for your play. You know, the second half of the season and your playoffs. Then a couple of weeks ago, it was, well, he'll be out till week 15, but, he'll be, but then you got him for your fantasy playoffs. Now he's not back till championship week for most people. This has become a very dicey fantasy situation. Yeah, it has. I mean, and at this point, he's out of legal recourse until that hearing occurs on the first day of December. So four games of the six will be served by the time we get there. At that point, if it gets you know overturned or reversed, well, he's already missed the four games. So <laughs> you're kind of in a bad spot if you're a Zeke owner. But you knew this was possible all along. And uh, look, we, we know what the NFL regardless of, of what Zeke did or did not do. And that's an entirely different conversation where we're kind of at the mercy of limited information on our end. The NFL running any sort of investigation into anyone or disciplining any player for any reason turns into a complete disaster pretty much every time. Right. I mean, it, it, look at Josh Gordon. Look at the path it's taken him to get back on the field with substance abuse issues. So, you know, whether it's domestic violence, whether it's substance abuse, it doesn't even matter. It just seems like the NFL cannot get discipline right, can't get out of its own way, can't properly investigate a situation without running afoul of you know, the CBA or the law. And then as a result, they get these prolonged headaches that you know, aside from the original incident being serious and bad for the league itself, the league does more damage by handling things the way that they do. And. I just want it to end in some fashion. So even though I've got Zeke in the NFFC, it's a, it's a Cohen team with, with Mike Doria, our football editor. I was kind of lukewarm on Zeke, even at the end of the first round, even though the potential payoff was going to be there. It was a situation where I just felt weird, like rooting for the lawyers to win and for Zeke to ultimately win because of that. And just all of it just had me kind of conflicted. So at this point, you know, four games minimum and, after this year, hopefully it's all put to bed. Hopefully it's just a non-issue going forward and it's not something we have to talk about as far as the NFL screwing up something like this for a long time. Right. That'll be just someone else next year. It won't be with Zeke. It'll just be with someone else. So who the heck knows who? All right. So now Alfred Morris seems like the guy to own this week. 
Crystal Ball, week 15. Which of these guys do you want? Uh, I I mean, if, if I'm just choosing in a vacuum, then I think I still like Darren McFadden more than Alfred Morris because of the pass catching element. And I, I can't help but wonder if McFadden not really playing a lot this season ends up being a good thing where he's actually pretty fresh. Not like Morris gets a lot of carries either. Um, and I think McFadden's even got more than Morris does for the year. But if it turns into some kind of timeshare, I, I could see McFadden being more valuable because of his role as a pass catcher. They don't have great secondary options behind Dez. So that's a concern. The guy that I have no read on whatsoever, I know some people like him, is Rod Smith. Because you know, he's listed at 6'3", 240. Most people say he's more of a fullback. He got those carries against San Francisco back in week seven. Eight carries, 61 yards, and that, that was a blowout sort of game. I don't think he's going to be involved. I'm just surprised that some people like him as much as they do, if that makes sense. So I guess I'm at the point where I can't write him off, but if you're making me take that chance right now, Darren McFadden just ahead of Morris and both a decent amount ahead of Rod Smith uh, because I guess I just haven't I haven't seen enough from Smith at Ohio State or during his years bouncing around between Dallas and Seattle to think that there's actually something there regarding a uh, talent that can be useful from a fantasy standpoint on a week-to-week basis. I think some of that is that uh, in, in the last week, there was a quote from the running backs coach saying, you know, I think he can be a three-down guy. He's going to surprise some people. And because we're grasping at straws right now, everybody's going, ooh, hey, you know, Rod, Alfred Morris and, uh, and Darren McFadden are gone in my league, but Rod Smith's not. No, look, I'm going to be the smart one. <laughs> and I'm going to wind up with Rod Smith. So, yeah, if, if you had a chance, I mean, if it worked out in a way where, let's say you're in three or more leagues and you ended up with one McFadden, one Morris and one Smith share. Yeah, sure. Then maybe maybe you've solved it by just kind of putting the eggs in each basket, because I don't think there's a clear cut answer on, you know, who exactly is going to be the guy week in and week out. It, it may be combinations of those two guys in some kind of rotation. It might be Morris and Smith one week, one week and then Smith and McFadden the next and. McFadden and Morris the week after that. I just I have very little confidence in being able to predict this situation based on how little they've used their backup running backs behind Zeke this season. Yep. Um, all right. We're going to get to the news, injuries, all that stuff. Um, out. Matt Forte, out. Chris Hogan, out. Zay Jones, who did well last week, out. The Bucks without Jameis Winston and Mike Evans. Um, is Is that... Does that make you think Buck's disaster or does it make you say, hey, I'd really like Deshaun Jackson or Cameron Braid or someone like that? You know, it's a little bit of both. I I got a question on Twitter about the Jets defense, and I I think the Jets defense is at least playable this week. Maybe not um, maybe not a defense that you're going to put in from from a DFS perspective. But if you don't have. You know, Jacksonville, maybe you're an Eagles owner and you're kind of looking at the waiver wire still and not confident what you picked up earlier in the week. I can see the Jets being good enough to be started in 10 team leagues in season long this week Uh, with Fitzpatrick. You know, he's he's a a solid, competent backup, but he could make some mistakes and not having Mike Evans out there, especially is the kind of thing that can take an otherwise pretty solid backup and make him look a bit silly. I mean, if, if Doug Martin can't get anything going in the running game, Suddenly you're looking at uh, Adam Humphreys as a, as a key piece for them. And then you mentioned Jackson before Jackson with the chance for a few extra targets at the prices he's at on most DFS sites 
is definitely interesting. Yeah. Beyond that, I'm a little more, little more pessimistic about the Bucks this week than I think a lot of people are. Okay. Um, questionable. Last night, so Jordan Reed was questionable. I thought we were pretty settled that he was going to be out, right? Yeah, I don't think he practiced all week. So questionable despite missing practice all week is kind of a surprise. I, I just worry with a guy like that with so many injuries. If he tries to play through one, does he get his full complement of snaps? I, I I don't think I would use Jordan Reed in DFS at all if he's active in season long. It always comes down to your next best option. But I mean, by comparison, Cameron Brait costs the same as Jordan Reed on FanDuel. If Reed were active, I'd rather play Brait even with my concerns about Tampa's offense, because when they're in the red zone, Mike Evans isn't there. Bray gets red zone targets when Evans is there. I would expect Bray to get even more attention from Fitzpatrick in various scenarios this week. All right. Um, also questionable, Jameson Crowder, uh, Delaney Walker, but it sounds like he'll play. Does Bryant practice Friday? They said, you know, it was, oh, he looked pretty good. I mean, we'll see, I guess, with Des Bryant. But, you know, yeah, I think he's on the watch list for you if you own him. Right. Don't get. Yeah. It's a, don't write him off, but don't expect anything until you hear something Sunday morning. Officially questionable, limited Friday, couple two two injuries, really knee and ankle. He we had audio from him on the radio show earlier today and he downplayed it. But players usually do downplay their injuries because they, they want to go. I've got him in a 10 team league where you start three. If he's active, I'll, I'll start him there. At 7,500, I, I would have liked to have played him on FanDuel. I'm a little hesitant to do that, just given that he can get a lot of attention this week and he might be playing at less than 100% if he does, in fact, go. Yep. All right, who do you uh, – I ask you this every week. Who do you want to see? Who are you curious about? Who, who intrigues you? You know, in the Dallas-Atlanta game, Devontae Freeman kind of intrigues me. The price has fallen a lot. He has not been playing at a very high level these last four weeks. The carry volume has been way down. Still catching the ball a little bit out of the backfield. I think he's got 10 catches in his last four games. But Devontae Freeman hasn't carried the ball more than 12 times in a game since October 1st against Buffalo. So that seems bizarre. Uh, he also hasn't found the end zone since October 1st against Buffalo. So with Atlanta being home against Dallas, with Dallas having a great pass rush, can Atlanta kind of keep that pass rush at bay by effectively running with Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman? Uh, to an extent, that's pretty high up on my list of of kind of individual matchups I want to watch. Uh, Brett Hundley, I don't want to watch him. I'm, I'm more just curious <laughs> to see if there's any sign of growth from him. I was on a plane during the Monday night game, so I didn't get to live it as it happened. Of course, everybody's very frustrated with how things are playing out for the Packers. The value of Nelson and Adams and Cobb has taken a big hit. The running back situation's a mess in Green Bay. So as bad as that situation looks without Aaron Rodgers, it's kind of like turned to this sort of disaster that I'm curious about. It's going to be on the small TV, which never happens when the Packers are playing. Yeah. You got the two TVs out. Red zone gets the small TV. Usually it's totally flipped this week. I never thought I'd see it, but this is going to be the week where that actually happens. Uh, I'd say the other player I'm, I'm really curious to watch two in the uh, Chargers Jags matchup, two running backs. Melvin Gordon and Leonard Fournette. Fournette coming off the one-game suspension or deactivation for, I guess, being late or missing a team photo. Like, that's <laughs> kind of stupid. Which probably means on time since Tom Coughlin's around. He was probably there one minute before the photo, and he needed to be there five. Yeah, I, I mean, probably more to the story than that. Maybe there's stuff that's popped up on the Internet that I haven't read 
suggesting what really happened. But nevertheless, how he bounces back from that. I mean, the Chargers have been pretty soft against the run, so it should be a good spot for Fournette this week. Uh, but Melvin Gordon, I mean, if, if he can get something going on the ground, it takes a lot of pressure off of Phillip Rivers in an otherwise difficult matchup. We know the Chargers have hung around in a lot of games this year. They're kind of a dangerous team to an extent. I think their limitation now might just be Phillip Rivers and, and where he's at at this stage of his career. But if Gordon can find a way to you know, help Rivers kind of end up in hitters count, hitters counts on second and third down in particular, that could be the kind of game where we might see an upset. So Gordon coming off an injury in a bye week, I, I have to wonder uh, you know, where he's at physically. I'm curious to see how he's uh, looking when that game gets underway. So how big are the big and small TV? Uh, the big TV, and this is to all, all terms are, are clearly relative. I have not bought a new TV in about 10 years. I have a 37 inch TV for a big TV, but keep in mind, I live in an apartment. Yeah. I don't have that much room for a TV. Once I have a house, we'll go to the 60 inch or whatever Absolutely. The, the standard big TV is. The little TV is like 19 inches. I think it's a basically an LCD monitor that has TV connectivity uh, on the back. But for, for me in my, in my apartment, a 37 inch TV actually works pretty well because the room's just not that big. Sounds good. All right. Yeah. In an apartment that you can get overwhelmed with the size of a TV. Definitely. So, all right. Yeah. I don't want the dog to like run around the couch and then knock the TV over because the TV is like goes out of the corner and into the next room. It, it's my apartment's not great. I mean, from a, from a, uh, a size and layout perspective, it's certainly not bad, but it's not the kind of apartment that allows you to have a gigantic TV with ease. Plus those guys who were wandering around in your patio a couple of weeks ago, five in the morning, you wouldn't want to give them an attractive TV to come in and take. So that's, yeah. Thing. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't want, I don't want the, the 60 inch you know, six pound, very light TV that one person could break in and take. I mean, if someone, if someone wants to come in and take my 37 inch TV, they're kind of stupid because you could probably <laughs> buy it on eBay for 50 bucks. Right. All right. Um, who do I want to say? I want to see Mariota because Malarkey said they're going to, they're going to turn him loose on the ground again. And that would, if that's true, his fantasy relevancy kind of goes back to maybe where we hoped it would be when the season started. Yeah, he's been a disappointment. I mean, he, the the lack of running has been a big part of that. Glad to see that's coming back. Uh, we haven't seen him put up 20 points in a game on FanDuel yet all season. He hasn't had more than eight rushing yards in a game his last three times out. Right. Injury, of course, a factor in that. Uh, so, yeah, Mar- Mariota's definitely someone I'm curious about this week. And let's see what else kind of caught my eye. Oh, AJ green coming off his early exit last week. seems like an obvious bounce back spot going up against the Titans. And the price is very fair to 7,900 on FanDuel. It's uh, probably cash and GPP for AJ green lineups this week. Yep. Um, speaking of the Titans, I'm going back down the Corey Davis. Well, quickly. Because last week, he only got, what, what was it, two for 28 on five targets or something like that. But he was on the field. I mean, it was his first game back in, what, six weeks? And he was on the field for 75, 77% of the snaps. So, I mean, I think I talked about this on Thursday with Tim. But I, if he's going to be on the field that much, and we remember the stats he put up in week one, giddy up. It's, it's, I think it's coming quick with this guy. I really do. I think he's really talented. So, yeah, he's kind of dependent upon Mariota settling in a bit. But 
it's kind of a chicken and egg thing. Like how much does Corey Davis being back help Mariota open things up downfield? And then if they have that aspect, the teams have to be more honest, play the, the downfield routes a little more. How much does that open up running lanes for Mariota when something's not open and he has to take off? Yep. Um, my others, I still think Latavius Murray's volume is interesting. Um, Bilal Powell's definitely interesting with Forte out, especially since the Bucks have given up tons of catches out of the backfield. And finally, Tim and I talked about yesterday, all aboard the C.J. Fedorowicz train, everybody. Giddy up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on it. We're rolling. <laughs> This is where we need Ken Kreitz to hit his train whistle since they call him the <laughs> K train and he's got the whistle that he does on the, the hoops pod. I am waiting on CJ Fedorowicz for a week, I, I think, at least because I'm not real confident in the quarterback situation. If you're going to put stock in a bad passing game, doing it with the tight end certainly makes a lot of sense. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to let you guys have the fedora with shares this week. It's going to be my, my gift to all of you is that I'm not going to use them anywhere. So uh, if he goes off, you know, I'm, I'm glad some of, some of my friends are going to have him in their lineups. Yeah, he's uh, and, and Bill O'Brien said he's going to play. He's going to play a lot. So I'm, I'm ready to get back on there. All right. What do you think of the Broncos backfield with Devontae Booker? Do, do you think like now you got three guys there and Charles looks like the worst of the three? But does Devontae Booker, how much does he muscle in here? Yeah, I I had kind of low expectations for Booker coming into the season because I thought Charles and a part-time role especially might be pretty useful. You have to wonder, if you're Denver, do you think about waving Jamal Charles at some point? Because people were pretty excited about D'Angelo Henderson coming out of the uh, preseason. And I think he's got one carry in the regular season. But at some point, you may want to evaluate him and see if he deserves a roster spot for next year. And if you move on from Charles now, it just means Booker and Anderson can share the load. Maybe you have a few plays here and there for Henderson and you just move forward. And that gives Charles a chance to latch on with another team that has a better path to uh, possibly you know, going to the Super Bowl. So I don't, I don't really know if I want any exposure to this backfield at all. Anderson apparently is okay had an ankle injury and an illness, but he practiced on Friday. So with them being all right, I mean, I, I think the appeals that new England has been not only bad against the pass, but they've also been bad against the run. And if Denver is going to keep the ball at Tom Brady's hands, one way they can do that is to just run it really well. So I guess if you, if you believe that Denver can pull off an upset or keep this game close, CJ Anderson's the guy I like the most. And even then, I still don't think it's something I'm actually going to do myself. I think you're right. I, I would rather avoid if I could. Um, all right. So we're going to do the weekly name and name an unusual guy in your starting lineups. And I think I'm going to beat you on this one. I'm going to trump you. I have to go first, though. You want me to go first? No, I can go first. That way you can that way you can appropriately, you know, one up me. OK. All right. Well, usually we got to turn our attention to the fishbowl. <laughs> for this, it would have been a weird thing to start Kenyon Drake a couple weeks ago, but that's sort of like normal. Now. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it, actually, Fishbowl doesn't really yield anything too crazy for me. I've got Marlon Mack going right now. It's he his workload last week was suboptimal. Uh, so I, I wouldn't really want to start him anywhere else. But I guess it's Marlon Mack. So you're going to top that easily. I have two teams now. I only have. 
I think, six altogether this year. I have two lineups with TJ Jones in it. Oh, why? Okay, well, the first one's Fishbowl, which is deep. You know, it is what it is. And there's really, there's nobody to get. And I have you know, guys on by, I have two quarterbacks on by, actually. So I have one quarterback playing. This is, this is a bad week for that. The other one, I have on by, it's a 12-team, Ajay, Buck Allen, Alshon Jeffrey on by, and Mike Evans suspended. Mm. So it's a brutal, so, so this lineup I have, and I'm, actually this team is pretty good, but I have TJ Jones in my lineup as my third wide receiver. I have Marquise Goodwin, and I have Safarian Jenkins and Austin Hooper. So I have Austin Hooper at flex. I mean, I'm just hurting. And there's really nothing. Should I pick up Adam Humphreys in place of one of these guys? Are you getting a full point PPR in that yes. league? In full PPR, I think I might play Humphreys over one of them. Probably over Jones. Outside of that, though, like, uh, I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't like the player that much. It's kind of just looking at where the targets might go and right. being somewhat optimistic. It's almost, it almost makes more sense in DFS because at the salary floor, you know, he'll exceed the production of other really cheap players, most likely. But in the pool of everyone, is there enough upside to do it? And I think it kind of depends on the rest of your lineup. Your, the rest of your lineup sounds kind of gnarly enough where you probably lose if you pick up and use Humphreys. You know, you almost need to just pick up a guy that you think, hey, which crappy tight end could score twice or something just super random. I, I don't know if Humphreys is random enough. I mean, he might be too much of a floor guy for you to use as an underdog. This is brutal. This is brutal. Who am I playing? Brad Evans. That's who I'm playing. So, all right. I don't know. This is bad. If anyone has advice on that, at jhoppin37 on Twitter. Hum, how about this? Humphreys or TJ Jones? That's the choice I'm giving everybody in a PPR. Mm, so you tell me. I right. think because the two tight ends are healthy and Jones and Tate are all in the mix, I think I'd play Humphreys. There you go. I think you're right, but I want to hear from people. All right. You mentioned FanDuel. Well, FanDuel's fantasy football for everyday fans. New contests starting every week with no busted seasons. There's something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from. They start at just a dollar. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score real time. And it doesn't even have to include TJ Jones. Um, every, every game becomes more exciting. Obviously, I'm looking at it. Uh, the CJ Fedorowicz, I always like, I mean, with the half point PPR here, the tight ends are sometimes, you know, I'm not sure. CJ Fedorowicz, 4,600. I might be going, I, I think I'm going down this road. The one, the one that I played already, I don't. I'm used, I use my man Jack Doyle because I like him so much. But I could certainly see C.J. Fedorowicz. Hmm. No, yeah, you're out. Right. That's my, I, that's my responsibility. I'm not, I'm not on Fedorowicz. I mean, I guess I, I, have a, I've, I shouldn't even, I shouldn't criticize. I found a lineup worse than having to play Marlon Mack in the fishbowl. I've got Darren Fells going as my second tight end in Stopa. <laughs> oh, I have Ebron somewhere, so there you go. One of us is going to be upset. <laughs> yes, probably. Maybe both. both of us. Probably both of us will be upset. Yep. All right. Um, yeah. Otherwise, let's see. The lineup I made, I actually did. I had a few guys I wanted. And I said, I'm going I'm going to build this around, as we've talked about before, doing it that way. Corey Davis, Marvin Jones, and Jordan Howard. That's what I wanted to do. And I said, all right, let's see what's left. So I got a Le'Veon, which is nice. 
I got a Matthew Stafford, who's my number one quarterback for the week. I got a little Adam Thielen. So I'm, I'm excited about it. I look at this lineup and it makes me happy. That's the main thing. If you can't win, and maybe you will, maybe you'll end up being fine. But if you don't win, at least if you're happy while building the lineup, you do feel like you got something in exchange for your entry fee. Right. So, and we can use, you can use the Rotowire Optimizer, by the way, everybody, to build around a couple of players we've talked about before. It's a really great tool. Um, all right. Over two and a half million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, sign up today at fanduel.com slash RW. You'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than one million in cash prizes in your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit fanduel.com slash RW. Void where prohibited. FanDuel, thanks a lot for this week. And um, when I win the money, I'm going to thank you on Monday morning because I'm in the Sunday Million. So everyone wants to get in there with their sign-up then you're going to face me. So uh, me and, and Corey Davis. So let's see how that goes for you. All right. Who do you love this week? Who do you love a quarterback? Like you, I'm on Stafford as one of the best plays on the board. Um, the other guy that I, I like near the top of the price list, though, on the DFS sites is Brady, believe it or not. I know he's had mm-hmm. a couple missteps against Denver, but it's not as bad as you think. I mean, I think it's easy to over overestimate one or two disappointing games from Brady over the last five years in that matchup. And he's played well against them more often than he struggled. So you look at the form of the Denver defense, whether they miss Wade Phillips or whether it's something else going on. Uh, I mean, one issue just might be their defense being on the field a lot because their offense doesn't sustain drives. I think Brady at a slightly lower ownership rate than usual, maybe even a much lower ownership rate than usual uh, it's kind of sneaky somehow at 8,500. Uh, the other quarterback that I actually like, and I'm I'm not sure if I'm going to have enough lineups to club down to him, is Eli Manning. And I know for you as a Giants fan, you're just like, nah, there's there's no there's no way that's going to work. Right, 6,700 for Eli Manning on FanDuel. Everybody hates him. He got benched last week. I don't think. And maybe I'm underestimating how bad Eli is at this stage of his career, but I don't think he can play poorly enough against San Francisco to get benched <laughs> this week. It could happen again a week or two from now, but I think they are bad enough where Eli will look pretty good and actually return a good amount of value for a sub $7,000 quarterback this week. Really? Really? With those I actually receivers? believe that. Yeah. Wow. Shepard and Ingram, Ingram in particular. I mean, I think I think what lost kind of in all of this. The, the silver lining for the Giants is that Evan Ingram looks really good. I agree. And he's scored in three straight, 60 or more yards each of those games. Uh, no fewer than seven targets during that span. Back-to-back games with at least 10. The, the, the Niners can't cover anybody. The Giants defensively last week looked like they gave up. Even if they didn't and they come back and play a little better this week, I also wonder if like Carlos Hyde just runs all over him and the game actually stays close. So but now they're getting they're getting Vernon back and they're getting Jenkins back. That helps. So it helps. Yes. That that's what you know, if you're looking for a giant silver lining, that's part of it. Right. But I think San Francisco is just bad enough where Eli is going to look OK. Uh, the question, I think, is, you know, do you just do you play him solo if you play Eli or do you tie him? to the Evan Ingram plan and, and roll with them that way. Cause I think Ingram's the second most expensive tight end this week uh, with no Ertz being out there, no Kelsey. 
Uh, lots of little wrinkles there. So 7400 at Evan Ingram is the price. Do you pair him with Eli, who's cheaper than that, at 6700 if you feel the way I do about Eli Manning? If I, if I was doing that, because I mean, Sterling Shepard will get his, but he's not as much of a red zone guy. So I think if I was going down the Eli road, I would probably pair him with Evan Ingram. Bring lots of alcohol, though, if you're going to do that. No kidding, because you could wind up with some big fat, well, not goose eggs. I think Ingram will, I mean, Ingram will catch five passes either way. It just might be unproductive and no touchdown. And Eli has 134 yards passing. So it, it'd just be such a gut punch. If, if you if you were doing everything else right for the day and then you get to those late afternoon games, the Dallas Atlanta game and the Giants Niners game, and you're sitting there and you're like, wow, everybody else is scoring, exceeding expectations the way they're supposed to. And then Eli ruins your day. Yeah, that's a really rough way to not cash, to not take down a tournament. But. I just like the setup this week. It may be the last good game Eli Manning ever has. Like I, I know we're kind of closing in on that point with him, but I'm, I'm definitely intrigued by this matchup, that price. And then what that price allows you to do, you know, maybe getting two of the top four running backs this week is an option or to, uh, you know, pay up for an elite tight end, like an Ingram or a Gronk. So I think there's a lot of different ways that could go right. Uh, but looking at the running backs, I like Shady a lot. I mean, the Saints have been an improved defense this year. So much of the offense goes through McCoy. Relatively speaking, the Saints are weaker against the run. They are against the pass. I think that bodes well for Buffalo. I like the Buffaloes at home in that matchup. Uh, and even Jordan Howard. For all the, the all the things that are unwatchable about the Bears and Packers, Jordan Howard should get very, very heavy volume this week. So, it could be one of those lines. It's like 34 carries, 110 yards where he has to work for it. But it could be 34, 110, two TDs and a couple catches for like 40 yards, too. I, I think it could be uh, a really high volume day for Howard. And that sets up nicely. Yeah. T- Tim and I agreed yesterday that that we both bet the over on 30 carries for Jordan Howard. Yeah. So. I mean, and you probably would get decent odds by taking it over that high. But I. I think for John Fox beating the Packers, even though it's without Aaron Rodgers, still it still would mean enough to just find a way to do it. And for him, that means not letting Mitch Trubisky throw the ball very much. Right. Um, all right. Cam is one of my guys this week. The floor here. He last four weeks carries 11, 9, 11, 9 yards. 71, 50, 44, 86. And he's got two touchdowns rushing in those four games. Only two passing. But the the floor is so good with him right now. With all, remember, remember nine weeks ago when we were when we were being scared out of our wits by the idea of Cam Newton not running anymore? Yeah. I mean it it seemed possible because the concussion last year, the shoulder injury, you know, why expose him? You've got Christian McCaffrey, a rookie running back that you can put into a lot of different situations. And McCaffrey finally had a good game on the ground last week. I mean, what do you what do you make of that? Is that a sign of things to come or I don't know, kind of a a one week glitch? I I don't know. I want to see it again, obviously. I mean, it's a very cliche, easy thing to say, but I'm not convinced yet because I saw way too many games where he just didn't do anything. And I know they've had some offensive line issues, but. Yeah, I, I just I don't believe yet. I mean, I, I like the player and I love the receiving skills. I'm not buying that he's going to gain four yards to carry on the ground. 
I'm just not there. I need to see it more. Very fair. Um, other players, I mean, AJ Green, we talked about him before. I, uh, on the who do you want to watch? I mean, I, I like him a lot this week at 7,900. Deshaun Jackson in a tournament, especially, is pretty hard to ignore at 6,300 without Mike Evans out there, right? I mean, you, even if you're lukewarm on Ryan Fitzpatrick, and even if you think Braid and Humphreys and other guys are going to be more involved, DJX can hit a home run on any catch at any time. And if you bump up the target projection even slightly, it just brings up the possibility that the big play comes from him this week, maybe even two of them in the same game. I mean, it's just, it's so tempting because the price is so low at 6,300 on FanDuel. Yep. Um, I'm liking the Redskins. Last I heard, some of the offensive linemen are due back. And they weren't, like, I'm kind of looking at, I feel like I like Cousins a little more. I know the Vikings are a good defense. And I feel like everybody's instinct is to just kind of write off Cousins this week. And I'm not there. And I'm also, actually, I'm kind of there on Rob Kelly a little bit. I was talking to Tim about this. That last week when I saw the 14 carries, and I know that Jay Gruden likes him. If they score points, Rob Kelly's touchdown potential is pretty solid. Hmm. I didn't see it breaking down that way. Um, I've got a spot in the NFFC for like a flex spot where I could end up using Rob Kelly if I wanted to. I just I keep looking at the the matchup is tough because the Vikings are good against the run and the pass. Yep. Uh, you know, Kelly doesn't catch many passes. But the fact of the matter is, I think that's one of those games I'm looking at. And I'm thinking the the under is going to happen. I think it's gonna be a really tight defensive game. 17, 13. You know, 20 to 16, something like that. Kind of a, a slugfest. I think with with Minnesota, I'd be worried about Washington's pass rush getting pressure on Case Keenum. And then, you know, Washington's not terrible against the run. So unless they get some big plays out of Jarek McKinnon or Latavius Murray, this could be a little bit of a punt fest. Mm. What's the over under is let me check. I thought it was in the low 40s when I looked at it. 40, earlier. Like, it's 42. Yeah, 42. I yeah, I don't see 42 from that game. I see more like 38. Right. I know that I mean that seems like splitting hairs, but No, I know what you mean. Type of, it's type of game. I, I just don't think it's gonna be very open. I think those defenses are both good. I think Minnesota's defense is very good, and it's gonna be on uh, on full display this week. All right. Another guy I'm looking at Sammy Watkins. And here's why. I know he's been at, at some point you wanna I mean the, the logical thing when you look at these numbers is to say, I need to stop banging my head against the wall with this guy and just cut bait, at least as a starter. Right. I mean, last week was fine, but it was lucky for his fantasy owners. But the games lately, a, a lot of his performances lately, I think, can be chalked up to him being the focus of the defensive the, of the past defense. I mean, he played the Seahawks in week five. He played the Jags in week six. He played the Cardinals in week seven. All He was going to, you know, no easy matchups there for a number one wide receiver. And I know Sherman doesn't follow people around necessarily. And I, I don't believe he followed around Watkins. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I feel like if, if, if they're going to thump the Texans, which I, I just have a feeling they will, then Watkins, this seems like a game where Watkins could get his. 
Yeah, I mean, he teed off on, I think, his easiest matchup of the year, which was back in week three, that Thursday game against San Francisco, season high, seven targets, six catches, 106 yards and two TDs. Only the two targets last week against a Giants defense that suspended Janoris Jenkins. That was kind of a surprise. I mean, when they when they erupted last week for what 51 points, you just would have expected Watkins to be a bigger part of that. Strength of schedule is a big deal overall. I think it was something that Mike Clay and, and some of the people we had on during the, the, the draft season pointed out with Watkins. And I want to say Des Bryant was the other one where you couldn't really look at them and expect them to be themselves because the matchups were just that much more difficult than the typical wide receiver one matchup. So as far as your season long interest goes, he's probably like a fringy wide receiver three because the volume has been so low, no more than five targets in a game since that week three matchup against San Francisco. And then you look at him like in DFS, it's, it's a little bit like the Deshaun Jackson thing uh, with the even lower floor, but maybe even a slightly higher ceiling based on the crazy output we saw back in week three. Watkins is 6,400. Jackson's 6,300. Jackson will probably be, I don't know, eight to 10 times the ownership rate of Watkins. I mean, right. if Watkins is owned like one and a half percent, I would expect Jackson to check in closer to 10. Do you prefer Watkins in a tournament to Jackson this week from a opportunity standpoint, from a game theory standpoint, or do you think it just makes more sense to roll with Jackson? Uh, I think in a DFS, I think the game theory, you know, I think the lower ownership in a tournament, it makes sense. Just because, like I said, I feel like this could be a week where he gets targeted six or seven times. And I don't know that I am confident that Deshaun Jackson will get looked at more than that. So, yeah, I, I think I think it's possible that Watkins comes through with this crazy high target volume with Houston's defense. The pass rush, you know, we talked about Watt and Merciless being down for the year. That makes a big difference. They have been leaking some big plays, uh, kind of trending towards the bottom of the barrel as far as past defenses go. So this could be a better spot than we realize for Sammy Watkins this week. I've just I don't want to be overexposed to him just just from okay. a, a number of entries standpoint, because it's gone wrong so many times this year. And I wonder with Jared Goff, and I, I kind of speculated this a few weeks ago. He's, he's looked pretty good throughout the season. Is he avoiding the catastrophic mistake by not throwing at Sammy Watkins because Watkins draws top corner attention and double teams? I mean, is that part of the game plan? Is it totally by design? Is Watkins there to make things easier for everybody else? Or is Jared Goff like genuinely just not looking his way for some other reason? I, I don't know. I, I think against the big coverage, he might he might be trying to avoid the mistake. Which is, I mean, smart. I mean, I don't think yeah, that's timid. You know, I think it's smart. It, it is. I mean, they, they're winning. Like that, <laughs> Sean, if, if Sean McVay's solution to Jared Goff making too many mistakes is to get double teams on Sammy Watkins and then find a mismatch somewhere else, do that until it doesn't work anymore. And we saw Watkins show that top-end speed that we've always liked from him last week. That long TD catch was his only catch of the day. So... Yeah, this setup is better than a lot of setups he's had recently. I think there's a better path to using Watkins now than there has been for a good chunk of the matchups that he has had throughout this season. So it's funny. I have this this one league that my team's doing pretty well. It's PPR, and we play 2-2 in a flex. And I like Watkins. Who would have thought? Imagine this, this quote 10 weeks ago. I like Watkins this week. 
but I think I'm going to play Robbie Anderson instead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Josh McCollin has played pretty well. Anderson is kind of their number one receiver. He gets downfield. I think Tampa Bay last I looked was a little bit banged up in their secondary too. So there's a, a small, a short handful of a small handful of things to like about Robbie Anderson again here in, in week 10. Yeah. I mean, over Sammy, I don't know. I, I, I think Sammy's taken, taken many for the team this year with the Rams. Um, and, and good on him. And I hope he starts, I hope he starts getting his, all right. Listeners to this podcast can get a free 10 day rotowire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card required that lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Check it out now. Rotowire.com slash pod. Again, there's so many great things. I'm very partial to the DFS optimizer that you should check out everybody. Um, so Derek, what else we got going on, uh, to help prep people for week 10? We got the film review that Mario always writes up. We mentioned DFS tools, Jeff Erickson's value meter. We yeah. do rankings that break down everything on the, on a per position basis. I highly recommend checking those out. And uh, game capsules, game previews are up too. kind of looking at each game in depth. So lots of different ways to uh, kind of break down the slate for week 10, whether you're playing DFS or season long. Are you going to the Iowa Wisconsin game? I do not currently have tickets for it. I am definitely considering the possibility of making a last minute push <laughs> to go because it's a two thirty kickoff. And I think my chances of walking from the office to the stadium and finding several extremely drunk people tailgating who want to be even more extremely drunk instead of going in. Yeah is pretty high. So I think there's this for as good of a game as it should be. I think it's going to be a relatively easy ticket. If it were an 11 a.m. kickoff, I think the price would actually end up being higher. I think the 230 lends itself perfectly to people getting just so out of their mind looped that they're going to say, you know what? I'll take 50 bucks for my ticket. And then they'll just sit out in the parking lot and continue to, uh, you know, probably get frostbite but not know they're getting frostbite because they're feeling no pain that is a full night of drinking at fifty dollars for a college student my heavens yeah yeah oh yeah if you especially i mean if, if i if i'm willing to go get in the student section that's easy i, I could probably <laughs> just walk into like one of the house parties and just you'll, you'll find somebody within minutes who's convinced that if they leave the keg and come back three and a half hours later the beer will be flat and or gone and the day will be ruined like it's there's one of those people at every single party. See, th- this is big time college football ticket buying strategy for everybody right here. Yeah, you go. Listen to this. This is good stuff. Walk over. If you're, if you're going to go, if you're if you're in Madison, go over to uh, Lathrop is the street. It's like one off the stadium. There's some frat houses mixed in. There's some other student housing in there. Find people that are partying out in the yard on the patio. You will find people that will quickly change their mind on going to the game because they know as their buzz wears off and it will after halftime that they're going to freeze watching the game and they can <laughs> remain warm either by watching the game inside or by continuing drinking throughout. And you can reap the benefits of that with a, a cheaper ticket. <laughs> it's good stuff. Well, I can't wait to hear Monday morning uh, if you went or not. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I might I might just be a total old man and sit there in front of the 37 inch small TV that I, I refer to as a big TV and, uh, you know, just keep myself warm. Gotcha. All right. Well, whatever you do, have fun. Everybody 
Thanks again for the reviews and the ratings lately. Really appreciate it. I know it's a big uptick in the ratings this week. So thanks a lot for those. Keep them coming. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. Derek and I will be back Monday morning recapping uh, Sunday's action. So come on back then and join us, okay? For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. Good luck in Week 10. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.